0: Hey there, this is Jim Cermak from the Trade Show University podcast. If you are a business that exhibits at trade shows, conferences, or events, you have got to tune in. And we're going to teach you how to maximize the huge investment that you're already making at those events. That's the Trade Show University podcast. But for now, you're listening to the Own the Microphone podcast with the one and only Dynamic Bridget McGowan. Welcome to Own
1: the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello and welcome to today's show. I am Bridget McGowan and I'm joined by Trish Heights. Trish, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Awesome. Sauce. Trish, what do you normally speak on when you make presentations?
0: Well, I guess it depends on the theme of okay. the meeting and um, who has brought me in. Um, but it, uh, the common denominator with all of my conversations, presentations is about belief, about uh, what we believe about ourselves uh, and think is our reality and questioning what we believe, and then how to look at our beliefs, kind of break them down a little bit. Is this really true? Where did this really come from? And then resetting those beliefs to a place that supports what you want to have, what you want to have or happen in your life. How did you get there? That, That sounds
1: like a really important, but the word important just uh, doesn't do it justice. It sounds like a a pretty deep, intense, exciting topic, quite frankly. How did you get there where that is the core of the message that you deliver?
0: Uh, Well, back in 2002, um, it will be 20 years this August, I was diagnosed with kidney cancer. And It came from out of the blue and kidney cancer is uh, what they would call a silent um, disease because uh, kind of like pancreatic cancer in that you don't really have symptoms until it gets uh, to a point where it's unmanageable. And fortunately for me, it had not gotten that far because um, I had no symptoms. I was completely fine. Most people who are diagnosed with kidney cancer Uh, they find out when they start um, bleeding, when they urinate. And I had none of those. I had no pain. I had no symptoms. I just went for my annual gynecological checkup and I had an amazing gynecologist and he was feeling around my abdomen for my uterus or, you know, something to do with my uterus. And when he got to the right side of my abdomen over by my hip, he said that he felt something. And I thought, I had been traveling on a business trip and I I thought to myself, oh, I'm just constipated. (laughs) Um, You know, it's nothing. Um, I was in such denial. So he said, no, I feel something. So he sent me to an MRI for the next day. And then I came back in his office the day after that. That should have been a clue that everything was happening so quickly. And he said to me, "Uh, I don't know how to tell you this other than just coming out and telling you that you have a huge mass on your right kidney. And I almost fell off of the chair because I felt fine. So um, he got me into one of the best urologists in the area. And uh, I had to wait a couple of weeks. So that was a couple of very long weeks. And I kept thinking to myself, that just my intuition told me like, what is it about this? Like, what do I need to, I need to see what I need to see and know what I need to know. Like, what is this? Why is this such a random thing that's popping up? Um, So a couple of weeks went by uh, before I was able to get into uh, have surgery. So they took the kid, they took my right kidney out. And while I was waiting for the biopsy of the kidney and the surrounding tissue to come back, someone gave me a book called You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. Are you familiar with that book? No. Oh, it's, I mean, it's been out. Well, at least it was out before um, 20 years ago when it was given to me, it was probably out 10 years before that. So I want to say it's probably been out since, you know, the 80s. Uh, But Louise Hay um, was a person who cured herself from cancer twice. And uh, one of the things, and, and she basically talks about the same thing that I do in that what you think about yourself, what you think about your world. That energy, whether it's positive or negative, is stored in your body. And if it's negative, there's different kinds of negative energy that stores in different places of your body, uh, depending on what the negative energy is. So when I got to the place in the book where it asked me, why do you need this disease? It was like somebody plugged me into an electric socket. I felt this energy going through my body like, aha, I knew immediately I had grown up in a uh, dysfunctional alcoholic household as the oldest of five children. And there was just a lot of dysfunction. There was domestic violence. There was just so much um, dysfunction and challenges and pain. And I was just a very angry person. And when I read in that book that anger is stored in the kidney um, bladder area, I almost fell out of my chair. I thought, oh my gosh, I have been angry all these years. I've been so angry. And I just was blown away by the thought that I could contribute to creating disease in my body by what I think and believe about myself. Are you kidding me? So I I had to know everything about that. So I just started listening to every audio I could, read every book like daily, Uh, As I was recuperating from the surgery, I would go walking and I would listen to something on an audio, Um, whether it was from Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra, Louise Hay. I I mean, it didn't matter anyone and everyone that I could find that had information about how we contribute to disease in our body by our mind. And so at um, 2002, probably fast forward to about 2015, And I thought, I've learned so much. I really did change my life. I changed who I was. I was able to um, heal the wounds that created the anger that I was living with. I just became a completely different person, more joyful, happy, flexible. Uh, I started meditating. Just everything changed about who I was. Even my family, my children, my two kids and my husband, were they just were like, wow, you're like such a different person. So, and all of my uh, relationships improved, just everything changed for me. So I thought, I really need to share this. So I wrote a book called Daydreams Come True um, and I published it in 2017. And so then, then I just do presentations around, I wrote down in the book, it's, the book is not really about my story as much as it's about my lessons. So these are the lessons I've learned And it's actually a workbook and it forces, it asks people the same questions. I had to ask myself as I was going through my healing journey and it forces you to ask the important questions you need to ask yourself about who am I, what do I believe about myself is what I believe about myself really true. And then if I don't think it is true, is this really who I authentically are? Because we all have these negative beliefs about ourselves and then how to uh, look at what you thought was true about you, realize that it's a false belief that you created within your childhood, that you never went back, that we never went back to look and see. We had an immature childlike brain and we created a meaning around an event, situation, um, whatever that uh, gave us fear. And we created a meaning around what that meant for us and about us. And we never go back as adults to look at that and say, is that really true? Um, and of course, 99.9% of it is not. So mm-hmm. then once you realize like, I'm not sure that that's really true about me, then you can start looking at who am I authentically and wh- what are my gifts? Uh, what do I bring to the world? Uh, what can I share with the world? And really recognize who you are authentic self is and change your belief about yourself and create a much happier life. How, how do you change what you believe about yourself? Well, the first thing you have to look at is you have to be mindful of when you get upset, whether it's um, depression, sadness, uh, anger, fear, um, anxiety, what's going on that triggered that number one. And, Obviously, you can't think about it and try to evaluate it when you're in it because the fight or flight response is in gear and it takes all the blood away from your brain and um, floods it to your limbs, your arms and your legs so that you can either fight or run away. So you have to wait until you come down from that uh, for the adrenaline cortisol Uh, to stop pumping your body before you can actually contemplate and evaluate what just happened. But always to check and say, what just happened? Why did that trigger me? What is it about that event that, uh, or that whatever someone said to me or that person or whatever it was, what is it about that, that I think is so awful that um, targeted me, that uh, triggered me to react like that? And it starts slowly like that, like really questioning, why is that so upsetting to me? And then after you start to realize, because we all have the answer, we have the answers within our own subconscious. When something happens to us as a child, whether it's uh, an event, uh, a tr- it could be something traumatic, it could be something as simple as, um, I-, I always tell the story. Um, When I do my presentations about the two little boys named Danny and Mikey, who live next door to each other and Danny would always go over to Mikey's house um, because Mikey had way better toys and a big playroom and his mom always had like really good snacks. So Danny would always go over to Mikey's house. And Mikey lived in a house with a big red door. And every day, Danny would go over after school. Danny would go over to Mikey's house and knock on the house with the big red door. And Mikey's mom would open, and um, he would go in and play. Well, this one day, Mikey's mom was getting ready for a costume party. And she had a scary monster costume on. And she forgot to take the mask off. So when she opened the door, all Danny saw was this scary monster. And he ran away. He was so scared. And so of course she went, she took the mask off and she went running after him to explain, you know, this is just costume, et cetera, et cetera. But from that moment on in Danny's subconscious, his connection was because our brain's job is always to keep us protected. And when we feel fear about anything or anyone, then it leaves a traumatic mark in our brain. Like don't go there again, that's dangerous. So what the message was, what was left in Danny's brain was red door. When I open a red door, that's bad. So from that moment on, he grew to hate the color red. He wouldn't wear red shirts. He wouldn't wear red clothes. He got to a point where he didn't even want to play with red toys. He grew up in his adulthood where he wouldn't buy him and his wife were going to buy a car. It was a red car. He said, I don't know what I don't like about this car, but I just don't like it. I'm not sure I like the color. I don't know why, but like he wasn't even aware of what his belief about that color was. It it was to a point where they were house shopping. They were in a house and it had a big red door and it was in the perfect neighborhood at the perfect price. And his wife's like, let's put in a bed. And he said, no, I don't like this house. I don't know what I don't like about it, but I just don't like it. So all of us have a red door. And it could be something as benign as what happened to Danny, or it could be something very traumatic, but our subconscious mind stores that, that gave us fear and we keep away from it. And we create a belief about what that means to us and about us. And until we get to be an adult and can go back and look at this logically and say, is this really true? then we continue to live with that belief. For me, the belief was I was just so angry. I grew up in a house where it was never enough. You never were good enough. You never could do enough. Just I wasn't enough, very low self-esteem. And um, I just didn't know how to live a happy life because my whole life was about I'm just not good enough. And it wasn't until this happened to me that I had to look at that and say, is that really true? No, that's not really true. And I started looking at what are the things that people have said about me that I think are true. And then I started thinking, is it true that I'm creative? Is it true that I'm smart? Like people have said that to me. And then I had to really wrap my brain around those things because I really didn't believe them. I had to really like prove myself. It was you know, a long process. And then I started realizing, like, all this stuff I think about myself, this is completely not true. Mm. So it starts like that. Mm. Really, I, when people ask me, like, how do you start? I say, question everything, question yes. everything that you think you believe. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, when you were talking about the Louise Hay book, it, it reminded me of. Uh, another book, quite frankly. And I think that's where my brain was shifting another book entitled Um The Body Keeps the Score.
0: Mm, that's a right.
1: One. Right. So yeah, just hearing that title, you can see how Louise's book, uh uh You Can Heal Your Life, how those two would likely nicely align. So I'm just throwing that one out there because my brain immediately went <laughs> to yeah. that book. Uh, And it just kind of talks about actually trauma, how trauma can impact the body and healing and so on. So everybody, if, you know, Louise Hay's book caught your attention, check out that one as well. The Body Keeps the Score. Having survived kidney cancer in 2002. Trish Heights has studied every mind, body, and wellness book, every audio book, to just try to figure out how do we create disease, uh, negative people, and events in our lives. And what she found is that the core of everything we do is our beliefs. And she's used what she's learned to publish her workbook, Daydreams Come True, as well as create a coaching business where she helps people reset Their negative beliefs. She helps them discover and create new beliefs that support the gifts of who they are instead of what they think they have to be. I'm going to take that thought and shift it to the speaking world. When people are tasked with making presentations, what do you think they think they have to be on the microphone?
0: Well, I think that they think, because I know I've been there before. Yeah. You have to try to be, you have to try to figure out, well, you know, the first thing they tell you is who is your audience. Yep. You have to try to figure out, well, what does my audience want to hear about, about this particular theme or subject or whatever? Um, and who do I have to be to deliver that?
1: And you know what, Trish, you know what? I think people often, often think they got to make everybody happy too. And that is a re- ridiculous stressor to put on yourself I'll shut up and let you continue (laughs) that's life
0: yes and it's unrealistic that is uh that's not just when you're making um, a presentation that's I have to make everybody happy that's um it's not our job to make people happy it's our job to make ourselves happy and hopefully the happiness that you are just you know falls off of you and spreads to the other people around you and if it doesn't that's that's them that has nothing to do with you um, say
1: that again and again <laughs> again oh my goodness if you are giving people your absolute best you know you are you know, giving it 100 percent and if there's someone who doesn't like it that is not your problem and 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 Be aware that your message is not meant for everybody and that is perfectly okay because what you're giving in that moment may not be what that person on row five seat 12 needs right now. maybe he needs it a year from now maybe he needed it five years ago and didn't realize it don't feel like you've got to please everybody when you're on that stage as long as you know you have done your research you've put in the work you've put in the practice you've done your due diligence uh that's all there is to worry about but don't try to make everybody happy
0: well you can't the 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 only thing that I keep in mind when I do presentations is I have a powerful message to spread, and I am very passionate about it, and if it doesn't strike um, some people in the audience, then they're either not ready to hear it, they don't want to hear it, um, or they're in the wrong place. If I've been invited because of the subject matter, I assume that the the uh, largest part of the audience does want to hear what I have to say. And I just assume and I speak to the people who want that information. I don't care about the people who don't want the information because um, I just understand that they're just not ready to hear it or see it or whatever. I've had people say to me, oh, um, I liked your book, but um, a couple people that I know didn't like it. Okay, well, you know, the old me would be like, "Oh my God, why didn't they like?" You know, well, I say to myself, that person was not ready to look in the mirror, and that's fine. Some people, you have to have, you know, a devastating cancer diagnosis to be able to like break down your resistance and look at who you are, what you do, what works, what doesn't work, etc. Like, what's not working for you? Um, Most people will not do. Anything to change their life until it gets so bad that they have to do something. And for me, it was kidney cancer. And I will tell you that pretty much every person I've ever met who's had a life threatening disease, such as cancer, always gets to that part where they're ready to completely break down everything about themselves and embrace everything new because they realize that what's going on in their body is not serving them anymore. And it's time to make a change in their brain. It's time to make a change in their mind. Because mm. your mind feeds your body.
1: It does. It absolutely does. And, you know, we we hear it all the time that there is that self-fulfilling prophecy. If your mind is constantly telling yourself that you're not good enough, you're not this, you're not that, then that's all you think that you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm just not going to go any further with it I don't think I am I, I, it's just it's just so 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 true if you wake up and you think every day is going to be a crummy day well guess what mark your calendar as you know crummy from here on out let <laughs> see yeah I mean just get ready for a lifetime of crumminess
0: uh, you know a positive intention for your day and that will become a self-fulfilling prophecy too There you go.
1: There you go. And my attitude always is you have a choice. You can decide who you want to be and how you want to show up and how you want to be remembered. You can be that person who is unforgettable for all of the wrong reasons or unforgettable for all of the right reasons. You can be that person where people see you coming and they put a frown on their face or they see you coming and they put a smile on their face. When you pop into their inbox or their DM or whatever it is, either they're excited to see your name there or they're not. And you are the one who controls that. Don't feel like life is controlling you, work is controlling you, circumstances, family, Friends, no, you are in absolute control of every single thing. And for those things that you cannot control, because I strongly believe in the prayer of serenity, for those things that you cannot control, you can control your response to it. So you can either see, like, when you receive that that cancer diagnosis back in 2002 you can either just say "Whoa, is me I'm down and out oh my life is horrible or you can flip the script like Trish did and you got out there and you started reading and you started researching you were just trying to figure out okay I've got this how do I fix this how do I turn this around how, mm-hmm. how you know life is about choices presentations Are about choices. I can get up here and I can wow the crowd and make them say, Whoa, where does she come from? Or I can get up there and just, you know, bomb and have them also thinking, Where does she come from? And when is she going back?
0: (laughs) Uh I'll give you uh, an example of um, how this works. So um, I've been making presentations around this for, you know, years and years. And this one time I uh, went to, uh, I've been in the spa, before this all started, I was in the spa industry for like most of my career. And I went to a, uh, an industry trade show to make a presentation on how, um, how what you believe about yourself comes forward and how you touch people as a massage therapist an esthetician, et cetera, that energy um, also will, um, be, will come out in your hands. So I was doing a presentation um, about that. And um, well, I had done several presentations at different industry trade shows in different areas of the United States, and it was very well received and it was great. and, And I loved it. And I went to this one in Philadelphia where I found out that the person who was hosting it was kind of a nemesis of mine from a long, long time ago. And as soon as I realized she was the hostess, the anxiety And the stress that went on in my brain that then went into my body, it was the first and really only time I just Mm -hmm. bombed because that's all I could think about is. She thinks I'm terrible. Maybe I am terrible. Uh, maybe I can't do this. You know, all this kind of thing went through my head. And guess what? It became a self fulfilling prophecy. And I remember thinking, Wow, that was a powerful lesson. I've done the same exact presentation at multiple places in different spots across the United States, and this one person completely—I allowed that fear to like completely take over. And it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. I was a loser. I was a disaster that particular time. But I was able to walk away and realize that was my behavior in that moment. It's not who I am. Okay. Because that was
1: the next question I was going to ask you. In short order, you will have the opportunity to ask me a question. But what I was going to ask you was, how did you bounce back from that? And I like how you said, in that moment, that was what I was speaking and that was what I was feeling. That is not who I am. That is not the sum total of what makes up Trish Heights. Mm-hmm. And, and that's important, everybody, because ask any professional speaker and he, if he or she is honest with you, you will hear that, yes, I've had a hiccup. I've made a mistake. I've bombed something. I, I remember back in 2000, I think it was 2018 at uh, the San Diego convention center. I had a really tough presentation because I crossed, pa- I crossed paths with someone that I was not expecting to cross paths with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was just, it was about two hours before I was due to make my presentation. And this was a really large conference with maybe 13,000 people in attendance. And there was no, Oh, I can't do it. I mean, the show had to go on mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, again, if you talk to any speaker and they're truly 100 with you, they'll tell you, yes, there are those missteps. But the the key is recognizing it was just for a short period of time. This mm-hmm. is not who you are uh, going forward. All right, Trish, what is your question for me?
0: how did you get into uh coaching uh people who speak for a living well I actually don't coach people who oh. speak no I don't so
1: let's let me give you the full story right I know listening to this podcast and the questions <laughs> that we ask and reading about it, you're like really Bridget okay you need to work on your messaging girlfriend so here's <laughs> the story here's the stories I used to teach I taught for Prairie, or taught at Prairie View and m University. I also taught at Lone Star College in the Houston area. I taught for University of Phoenix and an opportunity to work for an educational technology company landed on my desk. And so I went through the interview process and all of that good stuff. And I started making presentations on the regular once I got that job. Every single week I was traveling somewhere doing presentations, but back up when I started teaching, I knew nothing about teaching. So I started going to all these conferences and workshops and everything everything and I'm I'm watching people and listening to people make these presentations and I'm thinking that was not as effective as it could have been. So I really started getting into this art and science of what does it take to be effective on the stage. And my stage is at that time was the classroom. Mm -hmm. And so I really started honing whether it was my PowerPoint design, whether it was how I started class, how I ended class, how I navigated through complex content with students who really could care less, or maybe they couldn't care less. I just knew they didn't inter- They weren't necessarily 100% interested in what I have to do, had to deliver until mm-hmm. I gave them a reason to lean in. So I'm like you, reading the books and going to the sessions and watching other people that I think are great speakers. So when I got that job at that ed tech company, and now that was all I was doing, either a webinar, conference presentation, a workshop, whatever, I said, you know, I've got to up my game. And it became very interesting to me. I found myself being able to watch somebody present for about two, three, five minutes and give them a list of everything that's working well and a list of things that they can improve upon. It it just, you know how you have that innate ability or talent or skill where you don't have to think about it. It Mm -hmm. just comes to you. Mm You can talk to somebody for just a second. Mm -hmm. You can read their story for just a little bit. And then you're just able to immediately dive into, hey, this is what's going really, really well for you. And here is where you can improve. And that was the thing for me when it came to presentations for whatever reason. And so I started writing books on presentation skills. One of them won an award. I started making presentations on presentation skills, and someone approached me after one of those presentations at Inbound out in Boston in, I think it was 2018 as well, the same year where I had that crummy presentation in San Diego, <laughs> just months later, Yeah, I think it was in 2019 when I was in Boston at Inbound. Someone approached me after that presentation and says, hey, you want to do a podcast? I'm like, "Uh, no. So we stayed in touch with each other. And I don't know, maybe about 10 months, 11 months later, we finally launched the podcast in August of 2020. But Uh, that's kind of the long and short of the story to answer your question. Have I coached people? Yes. And it just kind of wasn't my jam. Being on a big stage with a bunch of folks staring back at me. And (laughs) that's what lights me up because I had this one professor at a workshop tell me, oh, Trish, that was, again, this is when I was at that Ed Tech company doing those presentations at colleges and universities. I had a professor say, Huh, what are you going to teach me about effective lecturing? I have food in my refrigerator that's older than you. What can you, right? (laughs) I said, give me five minutes, 10 minutes max. If you're not dialed in, pulled in and leaning in, you can leave and I won't be offended. He stayed for the entire workshop. So uh, yeah, there's the answer to the story
0: (laughs) or the question. Well, when you believe in what you're presenting, when you have a great passion and belief in it, then there's nothing that needs to be fearful about it because people, you wouldn't have been asked to be there if people didn't want to have that information.
1: There you go. You would not have been asked to be there if you didn't have what it was the audience was looking for. what else do our listeners fantastic question thank you for that what else do listeners need to know in order to make sure they know how to believe in themselves whenever they have to make a presentation
0: well always ask yourself is this is this my jam (laughs) because if you are If me, I'm speaking about changing your belief, you know, what I have to offer is kind of a motivational, inspirational presentation, but if I'm going to um, a presentation on um, comics, (laughs) I mean, they may think that what I have to say is going to be inspirational to people that come to this, but I'm not feeling comfortable with that. And if it doesn't feel like it's a connection for you, then don't do it. I don't care how much money they're offering you because um, there's nothing worse than creating a bad presentation of who you are and and, um, dumbing down the message. If your message is important, you want to make sure you find the right audiences for what you have to say. And if you know that the audience that you're presenting to is the right audience, then hold on to the information that you're bringing to them they don't know it and even though uh especially you know when you start a presentation you look into the audience and you see some people are still looking at their phones some people are looking around they don't seem interested you know that can be very distracting that can be you know that little voice in your head saying oh my god they don't like what i have you know oh my god they're not listening to me like, just don't pay attention. Find the one person in the front row who's really listening to you and focus on them until you start really getting into the flow and like, allow yourself to like, really let the information just take over who you are. There are times when I'm really getting into it. And I think to myself, something comes out of my mouth. And I think to myself, where did that come from? I didn't even realize I knew that. <laughs> but you're in the flow. You're in that connection to what you know that nobody else knows. And you are on fire. And that's the only way you get to that place where you are on fire and you are in the flow of information is by going into it knowing that these people need what you have to say and even though it may start not looking like that if you just stay the course and connect with your information and know that it's what they may not be looking for but by the time you finish they're going to realize they like it and want it that's all that matters this is so wild trish You talked about a a
1: state of flow. I had another podcast interview with someone recently by the name of Janice B. Gordon. She talked about the state of flow. I had another podcast interview with Bob Reutblatt and he talked about a flow state. And and all of these conversations have been back to back. Like there haven't been other podcast interviews. No. And so things come in threes. I, I was blown away when you started talking about flow. I'm telling you, I just I just hung up from Janice Gordon's Amazing. interview. That's the theme. <laughs> like 30 seconds before getting on with you. And then Bob's interview was last week and he was the last one that I did before starting the new week. And that's insane. Everybody's so if you're a regular listener, you have heard about the state of flow three times now. Mm -hmm. You need to go check it out, read further, (laughs) because there's something to it. And you were talking about how sometimes you'll say something on the stage. You're like, where in the world does that come from? Janice said the same thing happens to her. So she always records her sessions, or at least she tries to make sure she records her presentations because she never knows what is going to come out in a good way, right?
0: (laughs) But she's just she's just in that zone in that zone so that is wild no I think that's a better way of describing it than even flow you're in the zone you're in your energy place where you know what you know and you are on fire to give it to everyone
1: on fire on fire Trish Heights it has been totally awesome speaking with you today thank you so
0: much for being on the show my pleasure thank you it's been a thrill thank you
1: awesome everybody thank you for tuning in until next time make sure you always own the microphone